Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and Culture, a PCM podcast where we talk about how to maneuver through today's hot topics while maintaining a grasp on our testimony and relationship with God. And can you believe it? It's September already, and it's time to go barreling through the intersection of faith and culture. Katie Smith is hanging out with me here this morning. My name is Ted from here at J103 in the studio. Katie is at, at home, and it looks like you're uh, up next to that that, uh, that nice headboard I've heard that you all have. My beautiful headboard. When you come to visit, we'll have to show you. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> give the tour of the house and, and let that be one of the stops there. It, it's kind of kind of tongue in cheek here when I say that uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump all in Katie and Brian's uh, marital bed and find all the details here of that. But but I'm being facetious here because today I, the intersection I want us to drive through, and and you'll see where the bed comes in play here. Um, I want us to talk about the world today, what the world would say is successful for families and for uh, for, for parents uh, as far as economic-wise, and yet what our faith would tell us. And that may be different, it may be similar, it may be whatever. So, Katie, let's start off by, I saw this, I saw you share something on Facebook Live the other night um, about your, your headboard there. And uh, so give us give us that story. Oh, gosh. Okay. So um, we are deeply values driven. Um, and so what that has meant for us is um, we kind of had a faith crisis in 2012. And we'd been married for 12 years. And we were like, you know, we thought we were going to serve God in a significant, big way. We thought we were going to serve God together. And um, we just saw that that wasn't happening. Um we just, we, we couldn't point to more than just a handful of people and say, you know, they are a believer today because we lived our faith in such a way that invited them to know the Lord and really made time for that. And, um, we didn't believe in the gifts of the spirit. If you've ever heard of the gifts of the spirits, people call it different things. Some people say it's dreams. Some people say it's speaking in an unknown prayer language. There's a lot of, a lot of ideas related to that. But we, we, at that point, we were like, no, we don't believe in any of that. That ended with the end of the church. Um, but we felt this unending, almost overwhelming need to, to just do something for the Lord. And my, and what was so cool was it was really my husband. So we, you know, we went to church every Sunday, we helped launch an ESL ministry at our church. Um, we were part of that every week. So, so it wasn't like we weren't, you know, doing anything or serving in the church. We just, we just had this unbelievable burden to do more. Um, and then we had a couple of frustrating things. My husband was teaching in a public high school and, um, and, and I would go in and sub sometimes and we both got scolded and warned not to share our faith there. Wow. Um, that all happened at about the same time that my husband started having dreams about international students. And so, but he didn't tell me that was happening. And so, um, I just knew that we, ha- we all had this growing sense of, um, being unsettled and we were just like, okay, you know what? Sorry. I have a son in the background, uh, slamming, not slamming, but shutting doors. Um, we're working from home. So, um, so we just, we just had this conversation that went like, okay, what, you know, are we going to keep going on, on the path that we're currently on, or are we just going to get bolder? And what is the abundant life in Christ? What does that mean? And are we willing to risk everything to trust God and just go do something 
different in another culture. And what ended up happening was we told the boys, you know, daddy has an ESL certificate. He could go anywhere in the world. We'd love to go here, here, and here. Where do you guys want to go? And so we asked our sons, they were eight and 10 at the time. And they said, we want to go be with our grandma. (laughs) They wanted to go be with their, my mom, their Mimi in San Diego. And we were like, well, San Diego is really expensive. Like, how are we going to pull this off? And uh, my husband was like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm going to reach out to the university where I got my ESL certificate. I'm going to see if God opens doors there. And, you know, maybe Katie, you know, you have to work full time. And do you want to do that? And I was like, I really don't want to, I don't want to work full time away from the family. That was really a value of mine. And so, um, so we, we started making a lot of sacrifices and I know this is a long way around to the headboard story, but the long and the short of it was, you know, we, we literally gave up everything. We, um, my whole life changed for seven years. And, you know, there were times when we had to live in the garage because, you know, dad's work didn't, didn't cover it. And there were times when we were renting rooms to cover the rent. So, you know, make the garage awesome. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be in it. And then, you know, we moved overseas and we took a risk with a, uh, a job that was going to put us in a place where we could, uh, reach people that we otherwise would never have contact with. And, and, um, it ended up being a very dangerous situation for us. We had to leave very quickly and we had to leave everything there. And so we came back to the States with nothing, you know, having believed that we were following the Lord through it all. And then two years later, we decided to leave ministry altogether. Um, so, you know, the Lord takes you on this roller coaster ride, but I wanted to live a life of faith. And um, I'm still living a life of faith, by sure, the way, even though sure. I have a beautiful board now. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm slowly putting the house back together, you know, slowly, re- you know, replacing the furniture. Um, but, um, but I, you know, to find that God is enough when you have nothing, when you have nothing, I mean, that is riches that can't be bought or taken away. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm glad. So, so get back to the headboard here. How did, what's so special about the headboard here? Uh, You know? Well, it's a physical representation of, you know, surviving, you know, going overseas, that being a train wreck and then coming back to the States and, you know, trying and trying and trying to start things over again and that not going well. And then, um, you know, my husband just saying, I'm done. Like physically, I just can't do this anymore. The stress is too much. And, um, you know, and then me saying, well, where am I at in my life and my walk with the Lord? And as a mom, you know, both of our sons, even though they're young, they're still at home. They, they're, they've, you know, satisfied the state requirements. So I'm not in the same homeschooling world that I am anymore. So now I'm like, huh, I, I, you know, I've always wanted a certain bed and I've always wanted a headboard that had padding on it. Cause I love to read the word in bed. I love to read books all the time. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful because we we are in a safe place. We are in a precious little house. We are in a precious little neighborhood. And the light that comes in this room shines on the headboard. I just look at all the blessings, Ted, and I, I make it my job to look at the blessings every day and uh, to really work on mindset and stuff like that. And I th- I, it's amazing to me how much I overlook the scriptures that say, you know, take all your thoughts captive to Christ. Like we, we throw that around, like it's no big deal. But I think what it's really saying is like, you're going to have to fight how you see the world. You're going to fight your own culture, your own family culture, your own self, the flesh, you know, 
and to get yourself back in a place where whether or not you have a beautiful headboard, you're grateful and you're thankful. Wow. I, I feel like I'm finally living the abundant life in Christ. Yeah. Well, how, how did you acquire the headboard? Where did so the you headboard... just want to know where I got it. I just want to know where the doggone <laughs> headboard came from, Katie. And how much I'm, ar- I'm, I'm already saved. I already have Christ in my life. I don't need all that. No, I'm kidding. You just, it's okay. So the, yeah. the headboard, you know, what's funny is I love shopping at Costco. It's my favorite place. Uh-huh. And uh, seriously, <laughs> so it is. It is my favorite place. So anyway, I, I went to Costco. They had the same headboard. It's going to be like 700. I'm like, there's no way. I looked online and I've never ordered anything from Wayfair, but right before COVID happened, um, uh, I, I went online on Wayfair and I found it and it was like 440. I'm like, you're kidding for king size, heavy duty bed frame, 440. You're kidding. Right. Well, it took them like six weeks and they finally said, um, your beds. Oh, they finally shipped the bed. It took over six weeks. I think it was two months, the first round. And when they shipped it, the headboard was a King and the bed frame was a queen. Oh no. Oh yeah. And so I was pretty disappointed because I've been waiting years for this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you would love this. This is the Holy spirit refining me. Right. So I called Wayfair and um, I said, hey, guys, look, I know this isn't your fault, but here's what happened. You know, the headboard came. I waited basically two months and you can check the records and it's not right. And they're like, OK, we'll send you some throw pillows to make it better. I'm like, pillows. <laughs> it's like, um, no. And actually, they said when you buy your next order, we'll like throw in pillows. With oh, that. of course, of course. I said, you know, I talked to a lot of people and which is true. And uh, if you make this right, I will let them know that they should order from you. And so because you're going to make this right. Right. So what can you do to make this right? Because throw pillows aren't enough. And so they I said, could you talk to your supervisor maybe and see what they could do? And they ended up giving me a 20 percent refund. So like, I know. So my my bed cost 100 bucks less than we were anticipating. And um, you know, I don't know. Good things come to those who wait. Well, <laughs> I, I, th- I think the point that I'm trying to make with all this yeah, is, is is the way that, that we live. You know, when you live by faith, when you live trying to please the Lord and, and do things, you know, the world will tell you there's another stand. The world will tell you, Katie, just put that bet on credit. Just go open up a credit card, take out a, you know, go to whatever and, and just buy it on payments or something like that. And and what I found, because my wife and I, and I'll, I'll take the blame because I'm, I'm the one who's supposed to be leading my family. We were idiots when we got married as far as finances and, and credit and, and things like that. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, there were times when we're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe we've got these bills and this money and this, you know, this car, this lack of money and these cars and things. And, and we were miserable and we weren't able to, um, in our minds, we weren't able to give back to the Lord like we should and, and all of that because we were living a lifestyle that God never intended for us to live. Mm. You know, when we got married, we've been married now 30 years. And when we got married, those first couple of years, we thought we had to have everything that our mom and dads had had. Uh, had and we forgot that they'd been married 30 years or 20 years or whatever you know and uh, that's not the way it works and so I read one time in fact I'm reading another good book right now I'm not done with it yet but it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mm -hmm. Mark Comer great book and uh, um, and one of the chapters is talking about on how to eliminate hurry in your life because I seem to be hurried all the time is simplicity 
And so this whole concept and this whole conversation that we're having today about how do you make your life simple evolves around your finances and and where you are and we think we have to have too much and what is too much just go look in your closet and you know you can see what too much is um and i remember reading one time there was a um, a story and, and i've used this in a sermon before where one day i was cutting my grass and i i got done cutting my grass and i thought you know man, this yard just looks good. All the lines were the certain way. I mean, I just, in my mind, had visions of, of the master's golf course, and, you know, that's what my, my yard looked like. And, and my deck, I had just stained it the day before, and, and it was, you know, not a smaller deck, but still it was, it was, I thought, oh, this is beautiful. The sun's kind of glistening off of it and everything from the fresh stain. And so I went inside to get some water, some lemonade, and when I did, I sat down on the couch, and there in front of me was a magazine. And inside the mag, see the magazine was called uh, um, Homes and Gardens. No, that wasn't it. It was called Better Homes and Gardens. Better than who? Better than mine is what I learned. And so I opened it up and I was looking at these pictures of these yards and just, you know, all the landscaping and all of that. And then I looked at a picture of this huge wraparound deck and porch. And and then all of a sudden I looked outside at what I had and I was like, well, this deck of mine, I mean, this isn't even good firewood, you know, in my yard. It looks like we're living in a, a you know, whatever Suddenly, I was not satisfied and happy with what I had just been excited about before because I was playing that comparison game. It's called affluenza is what Mm -hmm. it's called. I suffer from that. How do you and your husband, Brian, how do you all keep or how have you kept from that urge, from, from fighting the affluenza urge? Um, you know, as you were talking, I was remembering a time in 2013 when I deleted like, um, I, st- I unsubscribed from like a couple of different clothing brands that would send me emails and stuff like that for shopping because I didn't need what they were sending me and I wanted it really bad. And I noticed that it started to do something in my heart. Like I started to get like, uh, just kind of resentful. And, and I was like, oh man, that's not good. And then you know, really, I think the Lord knows how weak I am. And so he's allowed me to have a couple of experiences where, um, you know, like one time we, all of our stuff was ruined by bats. Like how random is that? Right. So we lost everything then. Um, they're like, just, like they're just Louis- Louisville slugger bats. Like Houston has these bats that are protected by the EPA. Oh, and we're talking like vampire bats. They moved into our condo. Oh my goodness. And, and my husband would be gone during the day. He didn't hear them until the babies were born. Yeah. And, um, and we were gone for like six weeks to San Diego to visit family for the summer. And when we came back, I was like, what is in the walls? And he was like, what? And I'm like, come home from work right now. And there were bats. And literally when we got all of our stuff out of the apartment, we ended up our condo. We had to get rid of everything because it had just been in the smell. Yeah. And so like, oh my gosh, that's insane, right? Like who loses their stuff to bats? But I think because of that, the Lord's like, I'm going to make it so that your heart realizes that this is not all there is and heaven is real and it's more real than what you've got in front of you right now. So I don't want to say like, 
I don't think there's anything wrong with having nice things. Obviously I've got a beautiful headboard now. Um, and I love beautiful clothing and jewelry and stuff like that, but I try to find it like super, super crazy cheap. Um, I'm that lady. I don't, I never see women looking at jewelry in Walmart, but I'm that lady. Like these beautiful gold hoop earrings. If you bought these at Costco, they'd be, you know, pushing 190. But I got mine <laughs> and they're hypoallergenic. I got oh, them at Walmart and it was like five bucks. And you know, nobody would ever know. Now everybody knows. They're going to be like, oh, you're wearing your Walmart earrings. But um, anyway, just, you know, it's just the Lord like saying, Katie, I love you. You can have beautiful things. But keep in mind, like I'm, if I give, if I give you anything, it's like, how can you make the most of it? Where can it go? And you know, if I were making a million a year, gold hoop earrings at 190 bucks would not be a big deal. Sure. But I'm not. So it's like, it, it, you know, and why not? And why am, why is that not important to me? So just going back to like, what's important and what really matters and what are we going to spend our time on? And, um, so is yeah. it safe to say that you had bats in your belfry? Is that right? Is that, uh, is that the same <laughs> bats in your wall? Anyway, so if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on the well, this podcast, there are others that are available as well. For example, myself and our afternoon guy at j103.com, we hang out on a podcast once a month called Huffa Day. You can tune in and hear that as well. There's also one called Work Tech Fun and others as well. Wherever you download podcasts, look for the J Radio podcast and you'll find us there. Okay, Katie. You know, you talk about if if you were making a million dollars, $190 hoop earrings wouldn't be anything. And you're right. I mean, it was still, but what, okay, let's ask this question because it's kind of a trick question because I have the answer in front of me here. What salary level would it take for you and Brian collectively together? What salary level would it take for you guys to have? We've made it. We've done it. We're comfortable. This is this is it. What do you think it would be? Uh, I don't think any dollar amount is ever enough. To be honest with you, That's a good point. I really don't. I really don't. I I think in terms of what is the vision God has given you, and what do you want to do with it, and why. John D. Rockefeller, the uh, you know the oil tycoon, he once mm-hmm. said when asked how much money is enough, mm-hmm. he said just a little bit more is right. what he said. So there was a study, and this is in the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It says, in a landmark study out of Princeton University, two great minds collaborated together on a nationwide research project. Um, they spent months poring over the data from 450,000 Gallup surveys, and they concluded that your overall well-being does rise with your income, but only to a certain point. After that, you plateau, or worse, you start to decline. So here, here's what the, the researcher in his own words, he said. No matter where you live, your emotional well-being is as good as it's going to get at $75,000 a year. Hmm. And money's not going to make it any better beyond that point. It's like you hit some sort of ceiling and you can't get emotional well-being much higher just by having more money. Mm, So what they're saying is people raise up to $75,000 and then they think, oh, if I can keep making more money, I'll be happier. I'll be more. I'll have a better sense of well-being. And that's not true. They say when you hit $75,000 is where it's at there. Um, and it, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what part of town you are, what part of country you are, 
or anything like that. So, um, you know, to drill down the lie that, that as far as our lives and what culture is trying to throw our way is that with more money and with more stuff, it makes you happier. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure we both know people, we all know people who have all the stuff in the world, mm-hmm. but they're not happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's the saddest thing, you know. What about with, I mean, you've got two great boys that are well-adjusted and really responsible and mature. How do you fight this struggle with them? Because a lot of kids will come home and their friends have this, their friends have that. Some have more, some have less. How do we fight that urge in our kids to want more and more and more and more and more stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, creating a, a budget <laughs> with your spouse and then inviting the kids to the table, like, from a very young age, like from the time they're eight years old, just talking about money and what is money for and what are tools around money, you know, um, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it's on an audio book. So if you know, you guys aren't, you don't like to read out loud, that's a great way to get around it. But just planting in their minds that what we have is the outgrowth of uh, what we do and what we think about. And and so giving them ownership in that, right? Like this is where you're headed. Um, we, we took the approach of study, work, and service is kind of like our, our three core values when we started homeschooling. And then we added rest and rest recreation because we, were, we had the propensity to be uh, workaholics. Yeah. And so yeah. we're like, no, this isn't healthy for us. You know, like just because you're working harder doesn't mean it's good for you. <laughs> so um So we've had to unlearn that, but that's another thing is just like apologizing to the kids. Like if, if they're, you know, in the gimme, gimme stage, um, you know, just saying, Hey, let's think about this. You know, is there something in your room that maybe you could, uh, sell or donate or refurbish or something like that? So our boys, um, they got their own eBay stores that their dad would manage with them from a very young age. And they would, you know, find discontinued Lego sets or just all kinds of different things um, and be like, yeah, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to apply this money that I get from selling this Lego set to this really cool, you know. Yeah. So so just building into them that they have choices and they get to be problem solvers and they get to, you know, getting stuff is just a numbers game. Sure. So. Get, we were get a job, kid. <laughs> I was going to say, get a job, and that's what with my kids. You know, there's there's always the temptation of parents, and and if you're a young mom or a young dad listening right now, fight this temptation all you can. But we want to make sure, and it's natural to think this way, but we want our kids to have better than we did. We want them to have more than we did at a sooner, at a younger age, and all of that. And while I understand that, and while I've been guilty of that. It's not always the best thing. Um, we are kids. I mean, my dad taught me, you want a car? Get a job. Save your money. Buy you a car. I'll help you, but, you know, along those lines, as long as you're working, as long as you're in school, I'll help you with this. I'll help you with that. But you got to pay for the car insurance. You got to pay for the gas you're putting into it. And I had to buy my own car. Um, and so my kids, we, we did the same thing. And, uh, and my kids got jobs. Lauren worked at Chick-fil-A. Uh, Trevor worked at the Winter Circle, and Chipper worked at the Winter Circle, and, and uh, um, what's the uh, um, Sweet Frogs, Frozen Yogurt Place. You know, Lauren worked downtown. They worked their way. They got scholarships to college and, and all of that, and so they had to pay. They had to work to earn those things, um, and so so I think that's important. I think that's important for the kids to do that and to know that, that and you're teaching them. 
If you like music, and I think you probably do, if you like great, positive, encouraging music, then let me encourage you to download the new app from the Apple store called J Radio. That's right. Your music matters. It's the new J Radio app. It's available on Android as well as iTunes and or the Apple store. And you can download that and take positive, encouraging playlists wherever you go. Some of them curated by the artists themselves. When you like to hear what Toby Mac thinks about his songs uh, or some other songs or others, you can check it out at J Radio. Just go to jradio.com and you can download it now. Katie, if, if we were to go into your closet right now, wh- how many clothes do you think are hanging in your closet that you don't wear? Oh, man. Very few. Really? Very few. I, that, that's, I, out of the or- that's out of the norm. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm very lean on my clothing. I probably have a week's worth of any season, but I only buy stuff that I absolutely love. And um, I get rid of it as soon as I don't love it anymore. Wow. See, I, this, I'm ashamed to say this. I probably have more clothes in my closet than you do. Oh, my husband um, has tons of clothes. Does he really? And uh, uh, I mean, shoes and uh, and all of that. Oh, my gosh. And now, my wife, yeah. my wife is a, like, wow. My wife is a thrifty shopper. She won't buy anything unless it's on sale. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times she'll see something in a store that she really, really likes. And she'll go back and look at it 10 times before she gets it. And then mm-hmm. a lot of times... When she goes back to get it, it's gone or it's not in her size anymore. And she's like, oh, well, you know, she'll move on from there, you know. And uh, I've got so many free T-shirts and free, you know, all this kind of stuff that I, I wouldn't have to buy any more clothes. And But yet, you know, it's like when your birthday comes around, the kids are asking you, my grown kids and my wife, hey, what do you want for your birthday? I don't know. I, I I don't have anything. I really, I mean, a weed eater, you know, something like that, that something more practical that we can use along those lines. Mm-hmm. The more you want, the more time you have to invest in order to get that as far as buying things. Most people think that if I want this, okay, there's a dollar amount associated with that. And that's true. But there's so much more than the dollar amount that's on the price tag. There's the time it's going to take you to earn that or to pay it off in today's society. Back to your Dave Ramsey uh, training there and uh, discipleship, if you will. Um, we all know, or maybe maybe people don't know, what is Dave's philosophy on credit cards? Oh, gosh. He hates them. He gets out them big old scissors and cuts them up. Yeah. <laughs> and so my grandparents, when well, I remember my grandparents, they never had debt, period. Uh, my grandma and grandpa on my mom's side, they got married. My grandfather shipped off for World War II the next week uh, and was gone for, what, three or four years, you know. He kept sending home his paycheck. My grandmother was still living at home. My grandmother would take that money and put it into a, a, a savings account. When my grandfather got back, they bought a piece of land. They built a small house. They bought their first car. And all of that, and they lived that way. Whenever my grandpa and grandma would need a new car, when their old car would die, they had the money saved to go buy a new car. When they wanted a a trailer to pull behind their car to go camping with us, they went and bought one. When they bought a boat, they bought a used boat. They, They paid cash for all that. My grandparents never had a credit card their whole marriage. You know, and I hear people, oh, but you don't understand, Ted. You know, with a credit card, I'm getting mileage back. I'm getting travel flight miles. I'm getting all this kind of stuff. My grandparents never used it. And to this day, my grandparents, I think, are the happiest people 
that I know or were, were the happiest people that I know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I mean, that debtor slave to the lender and all those kinds of verses, man, that's just hard. It's but just our hard. culture would tell you differently. Yeah. Our culture would say, hey, this is better, this is better, this is better. You're not living up to your full expectation unless you have this, unless you have that. Yeah. All right. Really thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Any, any other words of insight or wisdom that you want to, you would want to share as far as uh, this topic goes with, as we're driving through that intersection of faith and culture? Yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, this is a very interesting time economically, and there's a lot of uncertainty and stuff like that. I think, you know, living in East Tennessee, this is an, there's so many opportunities here to create wealth. And um, I just want to encourage, especially, you know, young families or young, young people who are thinking about marriage or who are getting married, like live as frugally as you can and really sow those seeds of financial discipline while you're young. Um, because I'll be honest with you, I was on Dave Ramsey's site last night and I'm like, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to like go through the coaching certification. Like, I know I need to redo the thing anyway. I need to redo my budget anyway. Just really, you know, get disciplined about that. I think I'm going to do the coaching certificate, but, um, but like even thinking about that, that's an investment in myself, but that will also make money. So when you're, when you're young and, or, or any age that, I mean, here's the gospel, right? And I'm sorry to take this on a little bit of a tangent, Ted, but you know me. So <laughs> just to say, you know, it's never too late to start over. Right, right. It's not too late to make No to matter make what situation, money's talk or any other situation. Absolutely. So, you know, restarting, you know, I love the verse. God's mercies are new every morning. That's true in parenting. That's true in wifing or husbanding or in work and whatever. I mean, like sometimes we burn bridges, but that doesn't mean you can't grow and change and become who, you know, the, I'd say the greatest version of yourself, but really it's who God is calling you to be. And so that's what I just want to encourage everybody that, you know, start anew. I if this inspires somebody, I'd really love to hear it, you know, hear how God is just nudging their heart to, to do something different with their finances or any area of their life and just say, Hey God, I'm willing to say yes to you and grow in this area. Yeah. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink or about your body, what you will wear or what bed you'll sleep in. It's, is not life more than food? Is it not more than clothes? Is seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. If you're faithful, I guarantee you this, and I speak from 53 years of experience on this. If you're faithful, God is going to blow your socks off and you can't outgive God. You can't outlive for him. And the simple life is a whole lot better than the stressed out, how am I going to pay for this life? I can't pay for this life. Um, you know, seek first his will and what he has for your life, and you'll be there. So anyway, anything else you can think about, Katie? Oh, Ted, it's such, you know, it's always an honor. Thank you so much. Yeah. Kick back there, put your feet up, lean up against that headboard, and take a nap. <laughs> it's the intersection of faith and culture. We'll drive through it again next month and see what God wants us to tackle then. Thanks for listening to The Intersection of Faith and Culture, a PCM podcast.